highest of heights to the depths of the So Elisha prayed, verse 17, he says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, open my servant's eyes. The Lord opened his eyes of the young man, he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots. So now, here, here is the house of Elisha and his servant, and the Syrian army is all around here, and now there's a bigger army surrounding all of them. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Elisha didn't pray that God would change anything in this situation. His only request was that his servant could actually see the reality of the situation. Elisha didn't try to persuade him of the reality, nor could he explain this to him. He had to see it. When his eyes were open, the servant saw the reality that he couldn't see before. He saw that there were more with him and Elisha than those assembled against him. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in chapter 6 of the book of 2 Kings. One or Ben-Hadad to his son, and they were, you know, they labeled them just one and two. Ben-Hadad is really a title and so whether this is the first Ben-Hadad or the second, we really don't know. There's some differences of opinion, but it doesn't really matter. But notice how fickle the king of Syria really is. Remember just a chapter prior to this that Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, he comes, he, find, he gets wind that this, this prophet Elijah is able to heal. And so he goes down to uh, Elisha and this commander of the Syrian army is struck with leprosy. And remember, Elisha didn't even come out to greet the man. He told Gehazi, he says, go out and tell him to wash in the Jordan seven times. Just dip himself seven times and he'll be healed. And Naaman was furious. He's like, do you know who I am? I came all the way from Syria. You're not even going to come out and shake my hand? He was mad. But his servant says, if he would have told you to, to climb a 10-foot tree and, and you know, do this or something, wouldn't you have done it? Well, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So he does. He goes down. He gets healed. And now this commander is made whole again. And he goes back to Syria. And no doubt the king of Syria is going, wow, this is really amazing. I got my guy back. He's healed. You'd think that would soften his heart toward Israel, but such is fickle, the fickle heart of a, of a king of a neighboring country. So he comes against him again. And, so, um, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And, and then the man of God, verse 9, sent to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel at this time, we believe, is Joram, the, the king of Israel, who reigned from about 852 to 841 B.C., And uh, the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, 
For the Syrians are coming down here. And so the king of Israel sent someone down to the place. And sure enough, that's what happened. And he did it more than once or twice. And so therefore, verse 11, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And so finally he gets his guys all around him. And he's like, who's the mole? Which one of you is selling is, is a sellout here? Which one of you is paid off to, to give intelligence to the king of Israel? And he had every reason to be angry. Because something's amiss. Because every time we go there and we're about ready to go into battle, they already know we're coming and they're ready. And how is this possible? This was before cell phones. It wasn't like, you know, Elisha was texting the king and going, he's on the move, he's on the move. He just crossed over, you know. He didn't have any of that. It was just God and the prophet. I love that. Can God speak to you? Can he speak to you in wonderful ways? I know that he does. Because some of you have told me. And God speaks to me. I wish it was every single day in the sense of, of hearing an audible voice from God, you know, but oftentimes it's not like that. He speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me in my heart. And there have been a couple times where literally it was nearly, I, I, would, I would believe that it was audible because it was so clear and so loud in my head that I really thought that somebody, that he spoke to me. And then I, I act upon it and find out, wow, that was you. What a miracle that is. So one of his servants says, no one's a mole here, my king, but Elisha, who is in Israel, he tells the kings the words that are in your bedroom. And so Elisha was the first Mossad agent. <laughs> he, and this was before all the high-tech audio and video equipment that the Mossad have now. And uh, it reminds me of a gentleman... Uh, there's a book that I bought in Israel. It's called Our Man in Damascus, and it's the, it's the history of Eli Cohn. And he was an Israeli spy who infiltrated the Syrian, and, and, and I'm not kidding, the Syrian government in the 60s. And he was able to work his way up to where he was literally right next to the king. And at night and at different times, he was uh, sending back uh, through different, you know, primitive uh, intelligence information back to Israel stating what they're going to do. And it was instrumental, his intelligence was instrumental in the 67 war of, you know, uh, what he was sharing with them gave the Israeli army an edge a significant edge over their enemy that was bent on destroying them. And finally they find out who he is, and here's a picture of him hanging in Damascus. They finally find him, and they hang him on public television. The whole thing was recorded. But this it's a really interesting read. It's not a really long book, but it's called Our Man in Damascus, Eli Cohen by Eli Ben-Hanan. But a really great read, um, but it's fantastic. But it was a very similar thing. You know, except he was using instruments uh, and technology to give the whereabouts of where the Syrian army was. And God blessed it. God blessed this man. And he saved many Israelis by what he was doing, knowing that if he got caught, he would be killed. And he knew that. His wife knew that. And so verse 13, he says, go and see where he is, the Syrian king says, and that I may send him and I want to get him. And it was told that he was in Dothan. Dothan is about 12 miles northeast of Samaria, the capital city of, of Israel. So therefore he sent horses and chariots, a great army, came by night, surrounded the city. 
And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And he's like, what are we going to do now? Now you remember, it seems that this servant of Elisha here is different from Gehazi. Because we know that Gehazi was Elisha's servant. But Gehazi, remember, contracted leprosy due to his, his lying and his, um, his, uh, his, uh, his greed. Remember, in, in the fifth chapter, he wanted that gold and that silver and those changes of clothing. And the Lord struck him. It tells us in 2 Kings 5.27 that this, this Elisha's right-hand man, this Gehazi, says the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. So we believe that this is a whole different uh, servant that is now serving alongside Elisha. So verse 16, he answered, he says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I, I love this because Elisha, God's representative, he knew who was in control. It wasn't the Syrian army. But it is and always has been God Almighty. He is in control. He's still in control. He's never ceased to not be in control. God knows all things. In fact, it may take us by surprise. Events may take us by surprise, but nothing surprises God. In 1 John chapter 4, remember what it said in verse 4. It says, because, he says, you are of God, little children, John the Apostle says to them, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Elisha knew who was in control. And, and like us, we have this, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you. And greater is He, the Spirit of God that's in you, than He that is in the world. The Spirit of Antichrist that's all around us that is showing Himself. The Spirit of Antichrist, anyway, is all over the place. We see it in the Penfield sub, uh, school system. We see it in all the colleges and the universities. We see it in the Oval Office. The spirit of Antichrist. We see it at the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. But Elisha says, there's many more with us than that are with them. Because we need to remember that God takes care of his own, doesn't he? He's jealous over you and me. He loves us with a, a jealous love. Because he paid the price. And if he paid the price for you, your soul is so significant to him. Your soul is priceless to him. And that's why it took a priceless blood to atone for your sin and for my sin. It was only the blood of Christ, the very blood of God. Only that could atone for my sin and keep me out of hell. If I would believe in him. And yet there are people who don't believe in him. But it's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? But you plus God is victory. Never forget that. You plus God is victory. However, you minus God in your life is that you're a dismal failure. And such was my life for 24 years. A dismal failure. I was without God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I, I was very content in doing my own thing. Thank you very much. I wanted to do my own way, my own way. I did it my way. You know, I mean, that, that's, that was my heart. I'm going to do things my way. And God says, okay, Rob, if you want to do it, th see how it works for you. I'll be waiting. Do, 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 do. And then I start to scream and cry. I messed everything up. And he's like, are you going to listen? 
Okay, Lord, I'm listening. And then I finally give it up. Give my heart to him. And boy, what a great ride it's been. Are you so blessed and happy that you've given your heart to Christ? Isn't the greatest thing? I mean, is there anything greater in the world? I mean, forget about all the money in the world. I could care less. It's all going to burn. But you know what? I've got a hope in my heart, and you do too, that after this world is dissolved with fervent heat one day, that we're going to inherit him. We're going to inherit glory. And folks, if that doesn't get you standing on your feet, I don't know what will. That's the greatest thing. Let it charge your batteries. Remember who God is. And remember who you are. You're a child of God. Even in your midst of your corruption, your own laziness, maybe even in your sin, God still loves you. And we need to turn from those things and and come to him. And he's willing to receive us. If we confess our sins, what? He is faithful to forgive us, then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there any other deal going that's better than that? There's nothing. There's nothing. They can have it all. You can have all the world, but give me Jesus. Right? Isn't that the truth? But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Paul even said to the Romans in Romans 8.31, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, shall, how shall we not with him also, or how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gives us good things may not be the things that your flesh wants, but everything that God has done, even when it's caused me pain, I look back on it and I'm like, I'm so thankful, God, that you allowed me to go through this difficulty. I didn't like it, I hated it, and I even was angry with you, honestly. But once I got through it, I realized how you refined me, how you, you broke this, this, this rebellious heart. You broke my heart. Anybody had their heart broken? Yeah, he allows it. To refine us, to get our eyes off of whatever it was that we were admiring so much. And he's like, Rob, all these things are going to fail you. All of your worldly possessions, whatever they are, I don't have that many, but whatever it is, you know, all these things are going to go away. Even all the friends and the people that you love and think love you, you know, one word and they're gone, you know, but I'll never leave you. But Lord, it's so hard. And then you lose a loved one, and you lose another loved one. Then you lose, you, you know, you lose another loved one, and you're like, God, I'm the only one left. He's like, Rob, I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm all you need. And do I believe it? I believe it now more than I ever have. Because they can take away everything. But if I got him, that's it. It's all I need. It's all I want. Everything else is false. Everything else is fake. But he is real because he changed my heart. He changed your heart. He changed me. He took me from a, from a place that I didn't even want to, I didn't even know where I was. I was completely clueless in Seattle. He took me out of, I mean, I, was, I didn't live in Seattle. I lived in Florida, but you get the point. But he took me out of a place, and you too. He took us out of these awful places that we were. When we didn't even ask, he came to me in the middle of my mess, and I wasn't even looking for him. He sought me out and wooed my heart to him. What great God is it that we serve? You know, I wonder, you know, it's like, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you visit him? I am not worthy, God. And he's like, I know, 
but I am. And you're mine. And I call you by name. Great stuff, isn't it? It's awesome. It's awesome. So Elisha prayed, verse 17. He says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Open my servant's eyes. The Lord opened his eyes of the young man. He saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots. So now, here, here is the house of Elisha and his servant, and the Syrian army is all around here, and now there's a bigger army surrounding all of them. Ooh, things have changed. All of a sudden, I'm no longer quaking in my boots or in my sandals. Now I'm thinking to myself, there's nothing they can do to us. There's nothing that they can do. And in fact, verses 8 through 23, what we really see is the real power behind the scenes. Because there is a spiritual battle, and right now we are in the midst of it like never before. A spiritual battle. Are you aware there's a spiritual battle? Are you aware of spiritual attack? Are you aware of, uh, of these things that are at force against you? Do you feel it? Have you experienced it in the workforce? Have you experienced it in the world when you go up to share with somebody and you feel this resistance to mention the name of Jesus? That spiritual warfare going on because the enemy's right in your face going, you don't have it in you to speak. In fact, you, you sinned this morning. How can you speak the name of God? And then for you to have the chutzpah to say, you know what, I did sin. I said something to somebody I shouldn't have said, but God forgave me. Get out of my way, because I'm going to tell that person that Jesus loves them. And the enemy will always be barking at you. Your flesh will be barking at you. But what does Ephesians tell us? In Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all just to stand and notice this list of things that he gives and all of them are defensive all of them are just for us to stand and and to take it and yet there's one thing there's one article in this whole list that is an offensive tool and it's the sword of the spirit and what is it that's the word of god this right here is the most important tool you have in the world sell your house and everything you have if you have this you're going to be all right because this is the thing this, God's word is everything. Stand therefore, having your waist girded about with truth, having put on the, ble- the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon in our spiritual warfare, which is the Word of God. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Boy, do we need to persevere today. Because perseverance and fortitude is what we need because, folks, things are going to get a lot more challenging as we go on in history in this country. We may get a reprieve on on November 8th. (laughs) We may get a little bit of a reprieve and we may breathe a sigh of relief and go, oh, I'm so glad. But do you understand that God never promised us that? Ultimately, he says, you will be persecuted. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That is our lot. That is what we can expect, is persecution. Now, when that occurs in this country, I don't know. We've had some light persecution. 
but nothing compared to the first century Christians and all the things that they endured, running for their lives, hiding in caves, being chased down by the Romans, fed to lions. I've been in those places. I've been in those rocks along the Jordan Valley. The whole, the whole side of the mountain range on both sides are, are littered with caves where people would hide from the Romans. They would hide. In Masada, they would hide. In Daniel chapter 10, it records for us something interesting, too, about this spiritual warfare. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, and I ate no pleasant food, nor meat, nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. <laughs> and then it goes on, and I'm just paraphrasing here. He gets this vision, who very likely could be Christ, there on the side of the river. But suddenly, verse 10, a hand touched me, and we don't believe that this hand was Jesus at all, but it was a hand of an angel touched me and made me tremble on my knees, and, on, and, I, and I, I was on the palms of my hands and my feet, or my hands and my knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And now I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. And so this, 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 this angel of God is withstood by these demonic powers in Persia for 21 days. And he's, he told Daniel, Daniel, I, we heard this. God heard this. I was dispatched at that time, and it took me three weeks to get to you. Michael, the archangel, he came to help me and finally broke through. Now, God was certainly aware of all of that. So what was Daniel doing that whole time of those three weeks? God was trying him, wasn't he? He was using that time, that three weeks, to really test Daniel. Are you going to be faithful, Daniel, to pray night and day? Are you going to continue to to hold true? And Daniel's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm praying until the Lord tells me to shut up. And he did. But these spiritual entities, they're very real. They're very real. The spiritual warfare is real. The battles that we see going on in our country, in our world right now, politically, and in the school systems are all the result of a greater spiritual battle that is being played out. There's a battle for power, for the hearts and the minds of young people, especially our kids in the public schools. If you are ever wondering what hill to die on, the battle for our kids in the schools is perhaps the biggest one. Perhaps the biggest one. Certainly one of the top few. Satan has infiltrated the schools, boardrooms, school boards, teachers' unions, wreaking havoc on our kids, teaching them critical race theory, LGBTQ, and the gender nonsense that's destroying them. And are you going to be silent about this? Church in America? Are we going to be silent and just act like nothing's happening? Ought we not to be packing out those school board um, uh, meetings that they have, speaking publicly, boldly about the wickedness that they're doing, holding them accountable? I believe we should.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.